0: Hi, this is Dr. William Renner. Thank you for joining me in this podcast on evidence-based medicine. Uh, we're back on the air. Uh, Dr. Uh, Safty and I have been uh, very busy. Dr. Uh, Safty is the Chief Medical Officer for Quadrant Health at uh, Stanford University, and uh, we've both been very tied up uh, working, uh, working with that, but we've both now made a commitment to get back to our podcast and try to get some really good material out there on evidence-based medicine. Today we're going to talk about diabetes, a worldwide problem more than 537 million individuals now with uh, diabetes. Uh, Alan, I want to talk to you about timing of meals because there's been a lot of information in the um, on uh, uh, published about that recently and I think it's a very important topic. What can you tell me about timing of meals in helping to prevent or, mitigate the
1: problems of diabetes? It's a good question, Bill, and we have some more recent evidence that I think everybody's going to be interested in. But this is, as you mentioned, 537 million adults worldwide with this. It's not just a problem in the United States, but it's a problem that's a worldwide problem. The global prevalence... Is you know over ten percent of adults, uh, ages twenty to seventy-nine, have diabetes. And if we include pre-diabetes, meaning your hemoglobin A one C and your blood sugars are elevated but not quite what we call diabetes yet, you know, is much greater. There's a tremendous number of people that have diabetes or pre-diabetes, which we mean is it's characterized by high blood sugar and insulin resistance and relative impairment in the insulin secretion, and you know it's pathogenesis is significantly heterogeneous meaning there's genetic factors that can lead to it environmental factors such as obesity and some new evidence that we have Um, as you mentioned you know can fewer meals help prevent type 2 diabetes and obesity um so you know intermittent fasting has been the rage for a long period of time a lot of celebrities and other people uh, said intermittent fasting. and We're not going to talk about significantly prolonged fasting. Um, you know, we're going to talk about things that aren't unreasonable and things that you can do that may help. Um, and a recent review, uh, and this is has found that specific type of restricted eating, and I'm not talking about missing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, but it may reduce the incidence of type 2 diabetes. And, you know, as well as improve your overall health and maybe your weight. Um, So we're going to call it time-restricted eating. Um, You know, this type of fasting, what we're talking about is maybe having regular but fewer meals and definitely, definitely cutting out the late-night snacks. Um, So say you eat dinner at, you know, 7 o'clock at night. You know, you may not eat breakfast till 9 or 10 in the morning. So you're going to have this 12 to 14-hour Period of relative fasting um, isn't hard for me because I don't eat snacks late at night anyway, um, and I work out before I eat in the mornings. So, but you know, why would this help? Um, you know, the, we used to tell people three meals a day, and you know, you cannot have snacks, um, and but that prevents your insulin levels from going down during the day. That prevents your blood sugar from going down during the day. Um, and that can overload the body's insulin receptors and that leads to this insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes and it also that's why sometimes it's hard to lose body fat Um, we're not giving our bodies a chance to use up all this energy we threw into it with those meals so if you have fewer meals or fewer snacks we'll allow these fat deposits to potentially be used as a source of energy um rather than keep consuming sugar and calories um so you know this new approach it's not really a new approach i mean this is what people did for centuries but we started having stacks late at night um but we know this time restricted eating uh, allows the body time to have lower insulin levels and lower glucose levels which so,
0: so basically, you're saying um, have your meal at 6.30 or 7, but after that, don't eat anything else and then try not to eat for uh, till 9 or 10 in the morning.
1: Yeah. Or at least 7 or 8 in the morning, you know, at least have that 12 hours. Don't have a snack. And one of the worst things would be don't have a soft drink, don't have, you know, even if it's a glass of orange juice. Uh, that has relative simple sugars and orange has complex carbohydrates in with it. Orange juice, we're basically having sugar. Um, So there's a big difference between an orange and orange juice, big difference between apple juice and an apple. Um, But a lot of people think, okay, I'm not eating. So I'm going to have these, you know, I'm just going to have a Coke or I'm going to have even worse would be a, um, you know, one of the non caloric sweeteners that we put into a soft drink or other things. Um, but, you know, we need to give our bodies time to metabolize and use the sugars that we put in there, um, you know, and it changes, not only will it change your potential insulin resistance, um, but it may change the bacteria and other microbiomes, uh, uh, you know, the microorganisms in our digestive tract. Um, So we think that fasting may positively affect, you know, your microbiome, which is really important, and it may stave off some inflammation and a variety of metabolic disorders. So, you know, these late night snacks or eating dinner close to bedtime um, may affect your melatonin levels. Um, You know, endogenous melatonin levels are high, uh, and this is when you eat late at night, And when the melatonin levels are high, you know, it's associated with decreased insulin secretion, decreased glucose tolerance. Um, So there's some genetic carriers, of the G allele and other things. Um, It has to do with receptors, but a little bit more complex. Um, But late night eating is not something we should do on a regular basis. If you do it occasionally, um, but... You know, remember melatonin, which is a hormone primarily released at night that helps us control the sleep-wake pattern, typically rise about two hours before bedtime. Um, And we don't want to, you know, disrupt that. And we don't want to disrupt our normal circadian rhythms. Now, what about, you know, what else can you do besides this? Um, Because this sounds too simple. Um, Bill, when do you exercise? Uh, I try to exercise in
0: the morning. Yeah. Uh, I usually try to walk on a stair climber for about uh, 45 minutes uh, a morning. And then I'll, I'll do just some uh, setups ups and push ups. And then yeah. later in the that's day, great. I try to get 10,000 steps in.
1: Okay. No, that's great. Um, you know. We're not really sure, and the evidence I'm going to give you right now is we need some more evidence to prove this, but, you know, is it better to exercise in the morning, in the afternoon and evening? And I like you exercise in the morning because it's very easy for me to get up very early and exercise in. Um, and the first of a study to investigate how insulin resistance that can lead to type 2 diabetes can be treated by exercise you know, the researchers in this study found exercising in the morning did not reduce insulin resistance in the study's participants. Ooh, that's so that's just fascinating of... to me. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But exercising the We're doing it all wrong. Yeah. Well, I have for a lifetime and I will continue to probably do it all wrong because um, <laughs> I don't have time later in the day, but exercising the afternoon and evening was more beneficial. Um, so Moderate to vigorous physical activity in the afternoon led to an 18% reduction in insulin resistance, 25% reduction in the evening uh, compared to physical activity throughout the day. So, you know, is that the only thing you can do? The, uh, you know, the duration exercise as well, timing is, may be critical. Again, this is the first of studies to really look at this. Did they say much about the duration
0: or is it just... Timing is what they discussed.
1: Yeah, they were really looking at timing, but they did another one where um, another study looked at two-minute bursts of physical activity, totaling 15 minutes a week, um, which isn't very much, but significant activity. So, you know, late in the day when you take a walk, you do a very rapid walk just for two minutes at a time every day. Um, You know, that's 14 minutes a week. And that was associated with reduced risk of death, cancer, and heart disease. Um,
0: yeah, I, have always tried to do a little bit of interval training. Like, uh, every five minutes I try to walk, uh, or go very fast on the treadmill for two minutes.
1: It's just yeah.
0: like you said, interval training has in past people have talked about that, at least giving you better strength that, uh, this is the first time I've heard it had any effect on diabetes.
1: Well, think of it as an activity snack also during the day, uh, instead of a snack of food, um, You know, when you're prolonged sitting, which I do a lot at the computer or teaching and stuff. Yeah, I do that all day. You you can build muscles by using more amino acids from the foods that you eat. Um, So, you know, we want to have effective exercise, you know, according to all these studies, kind of woven into the fabric of our entire life. Um, You know, so, you know, taking out the garbage, volunteer. Um, uh, you know, do, body weight squats. My the day. wife
0: volunteers for me. <laughs> yeah. She volunteers me uh, for um, me.
1: <laughs> but you know, think about you know, even if you're going to exercise in the morning, as you do, take a walk in the evening. Um, you know, get that exercise later in the day, especially if there's any element of insulin resistance, whether it be pre-diabetes. And I recommend everybody have a hemoglobin A1C checked. Uh, talk to your doctors about that but I don't have diabetes and I have mine checked routinely when I get around to having a physical exam. Um, but these activity snacks later in the day may be very important, but it's fascinating that, you know, the timing of your exercise may make a difference. Um,
0: Well, that's, that's really great. I'm actually, I'm glad you talked about this today because it sounds like I've kind of been doing it wrong. Um, but uh i think i'm going to uh, based on your talk i'm going to try to modify it because that'd be relatively easy for me to modify it. just do a, a maybe a smaller workout in the morning and maybe a larger workout in the evening but
1: remember it's an unexplored field in human studies and we need more studies so um there's a, a lot of other benefits for exercising if you can exercise in the mornings i do i don't feel guilty exercising in the morning if i had insulin resistance i might but I get a, I always get a significant exercise or a long walk in the evening also. Um, but, you know, do think about it, stay tuned because as more studies come out, this is what's the first of studies and we have to, you know, it's, it's such an unexplored field is, you know, these prolonged fast, which I consider not really prolonged 12 or 14 hours hours—versus And when should we time our exercise? And what about our activity snacks throughout the day? Whereas, you know, get up, move around, walk, don't just sit. Um, But, you know, you can do body weight squats throughout the day. Um, But, you know, think about this as, as, you know, we explore more of this in future podcasts. We're going to explore more in regards to timing of exercise and more in regards to, you know, intermittent fasting studies. And we're going to do a future one on previous evidence. Um, But I believe in fasting two days at a seven, not necessarily, but, and we'll explore that evidence also, but I really appreciate it. It's great to be back and I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, thank you,
0: Alan. I'm looking forward to those, uh, those uh, upcoming talks. This was a, a great talk with a, a lot of kind of surprising information uh, to me, but uh, something I think will be beneficial and uh, I'm going to try to modify my exercise program a little bit to, to accommodate that. Uh, If you like our podcast on evidence-based medicine, please subscribe uh, to our channel. And uh, thank you for joining us again.